Well, hey there, it's Kim Constable. Welcome to the Kim Constable podcast. Nobody cares. Work harder, except I was not working harder last week. Well, actually, you know what? That's not true. I worked very hard last week, uh, except that my computer crashed. A brand new Mac computer, because I'm a bit of a, a hardware geek and I like to have the latest computer and I get a new one kind of every 12 months. And I got a new one last week. I transferred all my data to it from my old computer and then I wiped my old computer and then the day after I got it, my new computer crashed. Yep, absolutely and utterly crashed, kaput. And of course, then whenever my um, creative director, Ryan, was uh, trying to get me to record this intro for the podcast, I kept either forgetting to because I didn't have my computer with me and then whenever I went to do it, I didn't have the easy audio recorder uh, app on my computer to do it. So I didn't get the intro done and I didn't get the podcast out. So we missed a podcast last week. I apologize, but I'm bringing it to you this week and it is a good one and I promise you, you are going to love it. So what are we going to talk about this week? Well, I am interviewing my sister, the lovely Kerry Nevins, who I have talked about quite a lot, actually, in this podcast. Um, she is the one who I used to talk about a lot in boarding school. We were in boarding school together. And I think that you guys are going to really enjoy meeting her. And the reason why I wanted to have Kerry on the podcast was, well, well for two reasons, actually. The first one is... Kerry is actually a very successful businesswoman in her own right. She launched a company, um, I think about six years ago now, seven years ago maybe, called Babo Kush. And Babo Kush is actually a newborn comfort cushion where the baby lies on its tummy um, in an upright position. It has a vibration and a heartbeat, and it is specifically for babies with colic and reflux. Because whenever she was, uh, whenever she was a mother, a young mother, and she had her second son Harry, my nephew, he suffered from really bad silent reflux, which was undiagnosed, and Harry literally just cried continually. And Carrie then went on to invent the Babo Cushion. It took her twelve years to bring this product to market, and it's actually a really phenomenal story of how she did it. And the reason why I wanted to have her on the podcast was because I know one of the things that many of my listeners struggle with is motivation and resilience and long-term vision and keeping going. And I think that, you know, I draw a lot of parallels between business and bodybuilding on this podcast. And although this is a businessy kind of podcast. It's um, it's not really, it's more about the story and the resilience and the long-term vision and what kept Kerry going through the dark days and the dark nights to finally bring her vision to life um, and then to eventually build a multi-million dollar company um, at, at the end of it. So I think you're going to find her story really inspiring. And just a little bit of housekeeping before we begin Carrie has actually, um, by special request of me, her sister, she has decided or she has been talked into, should I say, offering some um, coaching sessions. So Carrie is an absolute expert in bringing a product to market. She literally designed Babo Kush from scratch. And I mean from scratch. So there's nothing Carrie doesn't know about creating a product, about terms and conditions and safety regulations and stitching and liaising with China and warehousing and distribution and shipping, you know, from all over the world. Carrie, deal, she ships to, I don't know, like 40 countries worldwide. So, and she she built the, the company from the ground up. She knows everything there is to know about designing a product and bringing it to market. 
And I, because she's such an expert and she always helps people for free, she does, she literally, everybody who messages her or calls her, she remembers what it was like in the early days for her whenever she had no one to turn to, whenever she was launching Babo Kush. And she just knows that if she had had someone like her to lean on for advice, it could have taken her two years instead of 12. And she could have saved literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I asked Carrie because I have so many people who listen to my podcast and who are, you know, write to me every day on Instagram and write to me on the podcast and say they're inspired inspired by my business story and they too are trying to get a business off the ground, I asked Carrie, would she not only come on the podcast to help people with her story, but also would she be prepared to offer some coaching sessions to my um, followers for you know anyone who wants to um, get a bit of business advice or is thinking about a product or has a product in mind that they would love to, you know, just like an idea for a product that they would love to bring to market and, um, and, and could she do that for them? So she agreed, which is amazing. And she's even offering, she currently charges about $300 an hour for her time, but she's offering a 50% discount exclusively for my listeners and for people who follow me to only $150 per session, which literally you cannot get this kind of value for that kind of money anywhere else in the world. But because she's my sister and she loves me very much and because I love you guys so much, she decided to do it. I think only until the end of February where she's offering the 50% off coaching. By the way, she doesn't do coaching anywhere else. It's not something that she currently offers. This is completely new, something, this consulting that she has, um, that we have come up with. We have set it all up for her because we wanted her to do this for us. So just so you know how exclusive this is, you can't literally book Carrie anywhere else. This is only for my followers and the only people who are getting the 50% off are my followers and listeners. So uh, you're going to get into the story with Carrie and I, but if you do want to book Carrie for a consultation, it's a one-to-one Zoom call. So you get to talk to her face-to-face. You can simply click the link below this podcast, wherever you listen to it. The link will be in the show notes where you can book Carrie. Um, if you don't have anywhere to write it down or you're not looking at the show notes, you I think that Carrie has put it on her website. So you can go to babokush, B-A-B-O-C-U-S-H, babokush.com, scroll to the bottom of the website and there will be um, like a, a tab at the very bottom. I think they've kind of hidden it down the bottom there where it says, work with me or or, or launch your product, something like that. And if you go to there, that will give you a link to Carrie's calendar where you can literally book in a time with her on her calendar and then show up and ask her all your questions and get advice with launching your product. So that was a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we're going to jump into the episode now. Don't forget, if you want to leave um, a review on the podcast, you absolutely can. And you could be in with a chance of winning a Sculpted Vegan program. We're going to be announcing, um, I think, February's winner. At the end of February, we announced January's winner. I think it was last week, can't remember, the week before. But don't forget to leave me a review. Send me a screen grab on Instagram at The Sculpted Vegan and you could be with the chance of winning a Sculpted Vegan program. Okay, so we're going to jump into the interview with Kerry. I'm not going to chat to you again at the end because we, uh, we we say goodbye at the end of the interview. But I can't wait to hear what you think of this episode. Definitely book a consultation with Kerry if you um, if that's something that you're interested in or follow her on Instagram at babokush. Um, you can connect with her there. I think she also has Nevins on Instagram. So you can, you can just like hook up with her if you were inspired by her story. And I will chat to you all next week for another episode of the Kim Constable podcast. It's going to be, I'm interviewing a menopause expert. It's going to be amazing because you guys are loving everything menopause at the minute. So I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Kim Constable podcast. Bye for now. Carrie Nevins. It feels weird to say that because like you're my sister. So it's like, Carrie Nevins, nice to meet you. How are you? 
Nice to meet you too, Kim. <laughs> ah, good to see you here today. Um, I was uh, actually, Carrie and I were just having a chat before we started. She was like, so what are we going to be talking about? And I was like, I don't know. It's going to chat, you know, and actually probably normally whenever I do a podcast interview, obviously Susie, um, my assistant sends me like a whole document with, you know, links to everybody and what they've done and all this kind of stuff. And then I'll have like a list of questions that I'll use as a guide. But with this one, because um, I kind of know your whole story, we're just going to wing it and we're just going to uh, and see where, see where it takes us here. Do you know I'm going to have dad on the podcast as well sometime? Wouldn't dad make a brilliant podcast guest? Yeah, you'll see where why we are who we are if you interview him. That's what I was saying to him one day was we were chatting in the car and I said to him, um, he was telling me a story about, you know, how to take care of people and how you always have to go above and beyond. And he was telling this story about this guy who constantly brought cars back to him years ago, you know, and brought like 10 different cars back and dad kept changing it and giving him a new one because he's a car dealer, obviously. And about how, you know, he said, and this guy was like literally a loyal customer for life and told everybody about dad and he got so much business out of it. So anyway, just as a wee side note, I thought um, I'm definitely going to have dad on the podcast at some point, but you you are starting what is going to be known, Carrie, as the family series um, <laughs> with this interview. And the reason specifically, I'm going to let you obviously talk in a second. The reason I wanted to have you on today is because we have a lot of our uh, members, as you know, because you're my sister, you know a lot about my company, but we have a lot of our members who really struggle, I guess, with um, persistency and with just with resilience and just keeping going and starting on something and seeing it through to the end. Because obviously in bodybuilding, whenever you first start going to the gym and you want to change your body, you really only have a hypothesis in your head of what you're going to look like or the results you possibly could get because you have absolutely no data. And your particular story of how you built your company and how you built your product and your company, I think is really inspiring. And I think that there's a lot of the lessons could be brought across into bodybuilding from that. So um, and then, of course, we're also going to talk about um, your kind of sideline that you've set up that I kind of bullied you into because people keep asking me for advice on or asking me to ask you for advice on setting up the products. So we're also going to talk about the fact that you are now offering consultancy to um, people who want to set up their own product. And we're going to cover all that as well. Uh, how does that sound? That sounds great. Yeah, because I was thinking last night, I wonder what we're actually going to talk about. Should I learn anything or look at it? And I thought, you know what, if I need to know, you'll let me know. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I just thought we'd wing it. So first of all, um, by way of introduction, uh, this is my older sister, Carrie. I have three, two sisters. Sorry, there's three of us. And we're all very close in age. Um, we're literally three and three years mum had. God bless her heart. I don't know how she did it. Now that I have my own children, I understand how difficult that is. But Carrie is the the middle sister. And actually, Carrie, I've talked about you a lot on this podcast. So just stories I've told in the, about us when we were younger. So a lot of people know you. Yeah. Oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So listen, so tell my um tell the people listening or watching as it would be on YouTube. Like, so okay, actually, I'm gonna start and say Carrie built this incredible company called Babo Kush. So anybody who loads of people have heard of it, it's a newborn comfort cushion. You're gonna talk about it in a second, where the baby lies on its tummy and it's a, an incredible cure, if you like, for colic and reflux. But tell us a little bit about the backstory of how you first came to even build the company. How did it all start? Right back at the very beginning. Okay. Well, the very beginning would be um, Andrea and I got married, had Amy within a year. And she was a brilliant baby, did everything a baby will, that you hope your baby will do, sleeps well, eats well, just a chilled, really good girl. And then Harry came along just over two years later. And I always imagined, well, I just believe that Amy was such a good baby because I was obviously such a great mum. And I, 
just, yeah, well, her needs were met as and when, and she never needed to cry because I was just there to know what she needed before she even had to cry and that sort of thing. So I used to look at other babies and hear them crying and think, oh, that poor baby, that mother, obviously, you know, <laughs> hungry or cold or tired, or it shouldn't be out in the shopping center, you know, it obviously needs to be home and in its warm bed. And I, I, I was a bit judgy, but only to myself, I would never have said out loud, but I did internally judge. And um, then Harry was born. And I got my karma for judging. So, and I, I can see that so clearly. So that child came out screaming his head off and he cried solidly. And he was a whingy baby anyway, but he, he always seemed to be in pain. You know, people used to say he looks really frustrated and angry. And it wasn't just a whingy cry. It was a sore cry. And he was only ever settled if I was holding him against my chest at a, you know, upright pretty upright he was never happy lying in your arms being cradled like this or sitting in his bouncer or even in the car I used to you know people would take their babies out for a drive to settle them if they're upset so I tried that nothing worked as soon as if the car was moving he wasn't too bad but if you ever stopped at traffic lights or anything it was an absolute nightmare and I used to gaze at Harry's rocker and just dream of putting him in it and think why if only he would set in I could set him in there then I could go and make a cup of tea or make a sandwich you know with both hands have you ever tried buttering bread with one hand it's really mm-hmm. so um this went on and I used to gaze at that rocker of his and think now if that held him instead of plopping him in there on his bum if it held him on his tummy and um, the way I do I think that would be a great solution so I went about this is now Harry's going to be 19 in a couple of weeks so this is a long time ago and I started phoning because you didn't really we had a massive computer in those days we didn't I didn't even know hardly what the internet was I don't even think the internet was a was a big thing then I mean it certainly wasn't like every household didn't have it it was more of a work thing, I think. You know, people, I remember the first email going out, you know, and different companies talking about sending an email and a letter reaches you straight away. So anyway, I phoned some of the local baby shops and said, hi, I'm just phoning before I, because I couldn't leave the house with this screaming child. I was home alone um, with Amy as Andrew was out to work. And if I was going to make a journey to a shop, I wanted to be sure that whatever I needed, they had in stock. So I phoned um, one of the local shops and I said, do you have a bouncer for a baby, but you would set it on its tummy rather than on its back? And there was just silence at the end of the phone. And I tried this with a few different um, shops and, you know, further and further afield from where we lived, thinking, surely to God, somebody must do something like this. And nobody did. And I thought, I can't be the only person whose baby just wants to be held against their chest. What do other parents do? And, you know, Kim, we're a family of problem solvers. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, I, I need my arms back as much as I love my baby. I also needed to set him down sometimes, even going to the toilet or bathing Amy, my older daughter. She was only two at the time, wasn't she? she was two just two years and three months so even to bath her you know it was such a struggle and so if I needed to set him down I just had to listen to him scream he just screamed the whole time and he was obviously in pain and of course any sensible person would bring their child to the doctor but I did say to the health visitor and you know a couple you of did days. though you did you know, I remember and I mean I guess I want to defend you now but I, it was silent reflux he had wasn't it which wasn't yeah. even a thing it's now very yeah. commonly diagnosed but he had silent reflux which was very it's hard to diagnose. Silent because it's not that it's quiet, it's silent because it's not visual. You don't see them spewing up um, all that sour, you know, regurgitation from their tummy, which burns the back of their throat. But whenever it's silent, the same thing happens, but they seem to swallow it again, which is probably even worse. Mm. So he was just burning and in pain and he always wanted to feed. I remember you saying to me, how often do you have to feed this child? No. So basically, um, I was I, judging you. 
Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> My child will always sit at the table and eat all this. Yeah. <laughs> for an easy life. So um, anyway, this thing that I wanted, it didn't seem to exist anywhere near me anyway. So I thought, well, I will have to make it myself because I can't go on like this. Um, so I tried, I remember getting his bouncer and I took a pillow from one of the beds upstairs and laid in it and then sort of tried to put him on it, but it was really soft. And of course it was sort of, con- it didn't hold its shape in that sort of curved, you know, bosom shape that I wanted for it. So I thought maybe if I put a cushion under the pillow, so put a cushion from the sofa under the pillow, that made it more of a hump shape. And um, then of course he was just going to fall off. Like how would he stay on? I tried this on the sofa and all sorts of things, but then his face would sink into it and, you know, that's not safe either. So I was like, God, you know, I mean, it was worth it to me to go to the hassle to try and find a solution. So in the end, I phoned a company and I just looked up upholstery companies and furniture companies. And I found a place about half an hour's drive away in Dunmurray that said um, Dunmurray, which will mean absolutely nothing to your USA viewers. But anyway, I have a lot of local followers, too. Oh, good. Okay. So this guy on the phone said, I said, look, all I need know is that I need a piece of firm sort of foam, you know, more like what you would sit on on a sofa rather than a pillow that you would put your head on. So he said, we'll call up and we'll see what we have. So he pulled out this piece of um, foam. It was about an inch deep and it was like a meter, a couple of meters square. So I rolled this thing up and took it home and thought, what am I going to do with this? So I, th- I just started chopping it up. So I started chopping it into rectangles and then I layered the rectangles, you know, from small to large on top of each other until I got the curved shape that I wanted. So I ended up with this sort of hump shape about the size, the length and width of your standard pillow. And then it was quite firm. So it's sort of, I made it so it would fit into his bouncer. Um, but of course it, there wasn't a harness or anything at that point. I thought I'm not going to go to too much effort um, until I knew this thing's going to work. So then then I was holding Harry one day and he just finished a feed. He was all quiet and settled and sleeping against me. And I had a hot water bottle on top of this thing that I'd made, but it was on the sofa at this point. And um, then I gently extracted him from me and lowered him on to this babokush on the sofa with no harness, but sort of tucked him in tight with a blanket. And he he lay there. And I normally, if I ever moved him, he would waken up and scream his head off, but he was lying there. And I thought, okay, he seems all right. He seems comfortable. And I and made just, it. just, you didn't put him on top of the hot water bottle. You removed oh, no, it. Oh, sorry. Removed <laughs> just just that checking. Was, that was just to, you know, make it warm. To warm it. Yeah. Yeah. He hadn't, he didn't think he'd been moved, you know, with that child. Yeah. He put in. So I was able to make it to the kitchen, make a quick sandwich or something. And then I got back. So, and then he probably lasted about three or four minutes, I think on that, which was a breakthrough because there was, you know, he wouldn't have lasted three or four seconds. Um, so I thought happy days. Okay. So this obviously does work for Harry, but how do I get it to move? I thought he obviously knows he's not on me. It needs some sort of a heartbeat or a movement or a bounce. And the closest, the only thing I could come up with was I looked at his little bouncer and it had a little control box at the at the base of it. So I detached that, got it off, and it, it was a vibration thing. It had a vibration, which I never used for him. I didn't I thought, why would a baby want to sit in a chair and be vibrated? But anyway, I put that under the pillow thing, the babble cushion that I made for him the next time. And he stayed there for two hours. And I was like, hallelujah, this has actually worked. Um, so it's funny because you know this story off by heart as do I bore myself telling it but you know what I actually it's every time you tell it you tell it slightly differently so I'm always interested to hear it again yeah yeah so he that was him settled for a good couple of hours and um so that was it then every time I, I sort of doctored it up a bit and made a nice little harness you know so he didn't slip from side to side and it held him in securely and then I could put it in his bouncer and I could carry it from room to room it meant you know he could be wherever I was 
And um, so that was that. Just thought really no more about it. And then whenever I think Harry was about, I can't remember whatever age he was. And then Carol, our older sister, had her daughter, and she said, "Oh, can I borrow that thing for Gemma? She's she's always windy and whiny, and um, that you made for Harry." So Carol used it. It worked for her, and um, you know, cousins and different people used it, and then friends were asking for it. And but this is whenever- when you had made it into slightly more of a robust feature, hadn't it? Like this is whenever the Babacush had gone from being no, just no. as you say. Well, no, because it took that. It took sort of family members to use it for me to think, well, maybe there's something in this because I was just a new mom who was frazzled. You know, I wasn't starting to think ding, ding, business idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had a solution for my son. And then I saw that it worked for other people. And then I was just, I remember um, Andrew was working nights and I was lying on the sofa. The kids were both in bed. Harry was about a year old. And I was, did you ever find you're just listening to like music or you're not meditating? Mm -hmm. Meditating, yeah. In a very meditative state. Yeah. And something just pops into your head you know an idea or something happens and I was just feeling this beautiful like oh the kids are asleep my life is so good you know so peaceful and then I thought that that thing that I made for Harry that people keep borrowing I could maybe do you know if there is a need for this maybe I could start selling these in Northern Ireland and that's how it all began then and I remember saying to mom about it I said, Mom, I really want to do this. And she said, oh, well, what would you do with, with it? Or how, where do you start? And I said, well, I don't know. So I remember going to the phone book back in the day. And um, I thought, well, it's an invention. Like, where would I even start? So I went mm-hmm. to I, Inventors, and I found Inventors Clubs. And I thought, God, seriously, an Inventors Club? <laughs> I have to start with it. So I phoned this number anyway for an Inventors Club and spoke to a nice old man on the phone and told him what I had and what I'd done. And I said, like, what, where do I do? Where do I go? And what do I do with an idea? And he invited me along to the Inventors club some nights and I, I said, don't know this part of us I th- do you not no. okay and I thought I'm real well I never went I thought I didn't want to go to an inventors club I, I feel like a wacky old you know crazy guy you know something like out of um back to the future back to the future yeah you like your mom with the white hair you know yeah. I just felt like that and I was like oh I need to get over this and I'm still not quite over it when somebody says what do you do I don't know whether to say I own a baby product and I sell it online or I am a, you know, I invented this thing. I still don't quite know what to mm-hmm. say. I really get my head around that. So anyway, I didn't go to the inventors clubs. I said, well, look, is there anything else you could recommend? Cause I don't know that I'm going to do that. And he said, why don't you phone your local university and they have innovation departments and which I didn't know. I innovation departments university so everything was just one step at a time so next step was okay from the university and luckily there was a university just down the road from me and the guy the head of the innovation department his wife was a midwife in the in one of the hospital one of our local hospitals so it was perfect so he showed it to his wife and she loved it and he said look this is a really good idea um so the reason um people go to universities is because you can get funding and you can get some of the students to work on your idea and maybe you know do a bit of work in the design and development and that sort of way and it saves you a lot of money in the early days so it went from there and they said why don't you go to invest ni which is a, a government run investment body here in northern ireland i'm sure they're all over i'm sure every country has them yeah well most countries would definitely have some sort of help for innovations and new businesses like that and startups so went to invest well actually I phoned invest and I and told them I had an idea and he said well look you need to bring it with you call in and see us and we'll see you know we'll do an interview and I was so nervous back then you know this is 20 years ago and I was I was young back then Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're still young Harry we're still young (laughs) I haven't given up on it yet 
Uh-huh. So spoke to him. He said, oh, that's a great idea. But everything, it was really like, oh, God, will I make it to the next stage and what happens next? Because I felt like I really was so dependent on other people and outside sources telling me, you know, what to do. Because without that, you know, if he had said, no, we're not really interested, I wouldn't have known where to go or what to do. Mm-hmm. I probably just wouldn't have done anything. So he said, um, can you come back in a couple of weeks and do a presentation to six of our, it sounded like a panel of judges the way I felt it was just a panel of judges, but it was a panel your of Your worst judges. night, literally your worst nightmare. We're chalking cheese like that, aren't we? Like I go, yeah, 3,000 people. It was only 3,000 people there. Carrie's like, there was six people. It was so scary. Men in suits. Ah! But um, so I went and did the presentation and yeah, that was very nerve wracking. And then next thing you get a call saying, we really like it and we would like to help fund your project basically. So, and guide you all along the way. So at that point I thought, ding, ding, happy days. They're just going to tell me exactly what to do and how to do it and where I go from here. No, as helpful as they are, I think unless you've actually lived it yourself and done it yourself, you know, they have lots of people that they help and they would say, phone this girl and she might help you. She's done something similar and they can give you the practicalities and say, you know, you need to get a designer, a patents protection and uh, get the thing designed properly, you know, find a developer and get a website and all this. But in living that out in reality it's so very different so um yeah there there were so many stages it went through and we how many years Carrie how many years from you first had the idea to create this as a business to you actually launched your first product so Harry was born in 2003 had the idea to go ahead and do it in 2004 so started working on it really seriously you know sort of 2005 and we didn't launch till 2015 so it was a good sort of 12 10 years 12 years you see and that is one thing that I that I tell people a lot about whenever I'm telling your story because I think that in today's in today's day and age, and now we are sounding old, but it is true. I think that people want shortcuts. They just want shortcuts. They want it faster. They want it quicker because we're, and we can't blame people for being this way because we're used to getting things faster, quicker, you know, like instantaneous, you know, we get answers from Google, we get, you know, you don't have to go and look up an encyclopedia or ask someone or, you know, go to the library to get a book anymore. You know, everything is available instantly at our fingertips. So therefore we become super, super impatient. And I think as well, this is why your story is so valuable. And I am going to like definitely plug the fact that you are now offering consultancy um, consultancy sessions for people who want to get a product, who, who have an idea for a product and want to take it to market because you want to help people shortcut that because you've always helped people for free. And I've been yelling at you for years for helping people for free. Um, although you are giving my people 50% off the um, early sessions, which makes them only $150, which is for nothing, by the way. So giving you a shameless plug here in the middle. Um, but what I want to say is, you really embody what is necessary in bodybuilding as well as in business. And I make parallels in this podcast all the time between bodybuilding and business because I have built both. I've built a business and I have built you know, a body. And both of them require discipline, consistency, um, you know, like consistency over perfection every single time, just showing up every day to the gym, just showing up, you know, just taking your supplements, eating your food, doing the same thing over and over and over again and remaining patient. And But that's hard for us as a family because we're actually a very impatient family, aren't we? Like I was the same as you in the beginning. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you're talking about in the modern day and age, you know, we, we're very impatient. Kim, I've always been really impatient. That's to me. It's going to take you, um, well, a guy, I remember somebody invest in, I said, now you do know you have a six or seven year journey ahead of you. And I went, <laughs> and maybe other people do, but I'll do it in a year. And I, I, you know, I told myself that and mm-hmm. I thought I can, you know, I, you know, we're quite confident in that I feel I can do yeah. anything. I 
Someone tells we're resourceful. Me, we're, we're a very resourceful family. Yeah. Challenge your six or seven years. You know, I will do it in one. And that's how I felt. I thought, God, what on earth would I be doing for six and six or seven years? I'm really efficient. And actually, I think people must go, what was she actually doing for 10 years? Did you take years out here and there? <laughs> no. It was just a constant journey of, you know, someone can help you. Now this person can't help you. And I wanted to get the thing made as locally as possible. And I I just imagined that whenever this thing launched, it would launch in Northern Ireland. And then word would gradually spread, would go down Southern Ireland and then, you know, all of Ireland, then maybe across to the UK and then perhaps Europe. And maybe someday in the future, you know, in 10 years, we'll hit America. So whenever it all happened, you know, there was so much that went, not even went wrong. You know, if the reason I just a process consultancy is because the money that I wasted that you know that I'll never see again trying to just you know trying to do things and failing or doing it wrong or making the wrong connections and the time as well the money and the time I know I was a childminder for 15 years so I looked after other people's children in our own home and the reason I did that is because I didn't want time away from my kids I didn't want someone else seeing all their milestones and looking after them I wanted to be at home with them and I remember with this thinking, oh, I'll just do this and, you know, on the side. And it's, it took so much time that I was always with my children present, a physical body, but not in mind. And I felt so guilty for that because I've always wanted to get the balance right. And I, I do have that now. But what really pisses me off, well, you know, what's so hard. It's whenever your kids are young and life's really intense and they need all your attention where you're so busy doing everything else and trying to build a life to give them a better future. And it's just it's not fair. You know, I used to think I just want lots of money so I can provide for my children and give them a lovely life. And finally, you know, it did happen, but there was a hell of a lot of hard work in between. What um, kept you going, Carrie? What what kept you going in those times? So, you know, um, like I can tell about, and I have talked in this podcast a lot about what kept me going. You know, when I, like, do you remember whenever I first started in bodybuilding, how, how mum was like, just disgusted. I've talked about this a lot of the podcast. Like, what will Barbara say? Or what will the people in the golf club say? You know, Kim oh, yeah. standing on stage and sparkling beginning. You're the only one. And I've talked about this too a lot. You're the only person in the whole family, apart from Ryan and Ryan's parents, who ever came to see me in any of my bodybuilding shows. And I was so touched that you did because no one else ever supported me. And so I had my vision of what kept me going. But what was it that kept you going all those years? Yeah. So I think people, you know, other people's opinions would normally have a really big influence on me. So somehow I was able to quieten that down. You've never given a shit what anyone says about you or if anyone's, you know, even that pressure of the family, not, you weren't shunned, but it was certainly like, let's just all bury our heads and pretend Kim isn't doing this. And I think that's yeah. how I was dealt with it, where it was like, you have to let everyone go on their journey. Um, so with me, um, it was, I just knew, you know, you just have a gut feeling. You just know something deep inside you is saying, this is going to work. And, but then there's another voice saying, no, well, what it might not, you know, you have, and you have to have that, but then you have to override that voice that's saying, well, it might not work. You'd have to go know what it is. And something is pulling me and guiding me towards this. And it is, it's just for a better future for you and your children. And, um, you know, once I had put in maybe two or three years and nothing had happened and I was still trying to source suppliers and, you know, look into safety testing and everything, I thought, do you know what? It's it's not worth it. I just want a normal job. I want to go back to just being a normal childminder, which I still was, but I just, you know, I'm quite happy with that. And um, it's it's too much pressure. But then I thought, well, I've put in three years, you know, I've come this far. Really? Am I going to give up now? I thought, do you know what? I'll, I'll give it another few months because then suddenly it's, you know, two steps forward and one step back. But then sometimes it was one step forward and 10 steps back. Um, 
but yeah it was just that um I think we are just a really determined family and just knowing just that knowing that it's going to work out in the end and it's going to be worth it and you know for a few years of really hard work and a bit of suffering um and it's about your attitude as well you know and not not constantly going I'm so hard done by this is a choice I've made a choice no one's standing where me going you have to do this mm-hmm. it's like getting out of bed in the morning and saying I have to go to work no I choose to go to work you know I do I need to earn a wage I choose to earn that wage you don't actually have to you choose to so it's just about that sort of mindset and getting your head into the right space and would it be fair to say Carrie you have to want it badly enough like you have to want it with every fiber of your soul a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah and I actually regretted telling anyone even that I was doing this I didn't tell very many people you know I'm always quite quiet about these things I don't announce anything like um, me like me yeah yeah but like you <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, and I remember a lot of people going, you're what? What is this thing that you're doing? You know, a lot of, even after 10 years, people went, oh my God, I didn't know you'd been working on that. And my emotional, my outlet whenever I'm stressed is just to cry. As you know, other people slam doors, have fights, tell people off and fight with their husbands. Luckily, I had a really lovely husband as well and a supportive family <laughs> not like mm-hmm. you with your bodybuilding everyone said that's a great idea whether or not they meant it I don't know but I know mum really did care and she helped me out financially with it and meanwhile a lot of people are going oh, I'm not sure you know do you think this would work you know I think if you don't have a baby that screams all the time you would go why would you want and that it's very easy to get thrown off track I remember Ryan's mum I remember you, you'd got to the stage where you'd actually launched it or you were just about to launch it. I remember Ryan's mum going mm-hmm just don't see that there's going to be a need for this. But that's because she never had a baby that suffered from colic or reflux or cried. She held all her babies continually and seemed to want to, you know, it's not that there's nothing wrong with that if you're one of those parents, but I was kind of like, I love you, but I need to set you down as often as possible because I had four of them. And so she kept, you know, she was like, I think it's an amazing invention, but I just don't think it's going to sell. And I remember saying that to you and like (laughs) highly insensitive that I was obviously. And it does throw you off track. You do then go, oh god this person doesn't think this is going to work and is it or is it not you you have to keep your eye on the ball don't you you just have to not listen to outside influences yeah and your idol you know you do lose it for periods at a time and then you just have to bring it back it's like I always think you know you can look back on the whole journey now and on life in general whenever you get a bit older and you know with kids and everything and you know Amy my daughter will sometimes go I'm really depressed today or I'm down I go do you know what we all are sometimes and then you always come out of it you know whenever you're Mm -hmm. in like it's like whenever you're sick you forget what it's like to feel well yeah whenever you're down or you're having a bad day you think life's just crap and you're never going to come out of that black hole but then you always do see it's almost like you just need to ride the wave don't overthink it accept that you're feeling crap sometimes and then see tomorrow's another day don't make it mean anything that's a great point I want to hold there for a second because that does happen it happens to me in in business a lot I have you know sometimes I I have a a moment like maybe we've we've like I haven't last year I invested an enormous amount in staff and resources and different things for the company and the app in order to grow and you reach a point where you're like you have all of this you know money in the bank and then you invest loads of it and you go shit now I'm no no I don't know I have all this money in the bank gonna have to work really hard and it can be kind of you can be like oh, almost panic a little but now I've reached the point in the business where I'm like I'm very resourceful I can absolutely get through this I'm not going to worry this down period or this period of 
of uh, regrouping or whatever, you know, in, in business and in bodybuilding, you have highs. And then after the high, you always know, let me tell you a quick story about that. I, we were sitting on, lying on a beach in Marbella. It was actually the, the business had really grown massively. This is just before COVID. It was our first trip to the Marbella club, which as you know, I love the Marbella club. It's massively expensive. And so it was our first trip there that we'd gone. We'd stayed in a suite. We were lying on the beach. We were drinking champagne. It was kind of like, the, this was like the first time I'd really felt like I'd made it. And I remember leaning over in the beach and with a glass of champagne and giving Ryan a cheers. I said, cheers, Ryan. I said, life is absolutely amazing at the minute. I said, we have so much money. We, we have an amazing relationship. We, our kids are in a great position. It's, you know, we have such a wonderful year planned ahead of us. We're going to Australia in December to see your family. Life is so good. I said, do you know why I'm, che- I'm, I'm you know, cheersing you, whatever you would say that. Well, what's that word? I'm saying cheers or whatever. Celebrating it. I said, is because it's all going to come crashing down. And he went, why, what's going to happen? And I said, no, no I'm not going to lose the business. I said, but there's no way this high can continue. At some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down the other side. So while we're here, I'm going to celebrate it. And he was like, well, that's a really good attitude. And knowing that it was going to, to crash again, which it did then with COVID, which then we came up even higher again, life and business and bodybuilding, it has its ups and its downs. Some days in bodybuilding, you go into the gym and you hit your personal best and you feel amazing. And you've lost loads of body fat and you're like, I'm finally working towards this incredible body. And then something happens. You get sick, you get derailed, you, you know, a family member dies, your situation changes, something happens and, and you're down at the bottom and you have to make it, you can't make it mean anything other than oh, okay, now I'm at the bottom, which means that there's another high coming. Have you found that in business as well? Massively, absolutely massively, you know, because you do, you go on the high, you know, whenever Babo Kush finally did take off. So I had to, you know, it just took so long sourcing suppliers. What I never wanted to do was go to China and mm-hmm. get it made there because you you have this stigma in your head about, oh, China, don't go there, you know, cheap crap. Um, so I met, it was just word of mouth and word of mouth and meeting different people and talking to different people with other businesses. And we went from Sweden to Poland to, you know, all across Europe trying to find factories. Sure. What? Germany. Didn't you go to Germany a lot as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just so expos. We get somebody to make the mattress part. We could get a different company to make the cover, a different company to do the packaging, somebody else to do the leaflet. And then we had to get it and bring it all together. And it was like, this thing needs to be made under one roof. And then there was the little control box. People think, oh, it's just a pillow, but it's, there's a lot of components to it, which you just don't see. There's a the little um, vibration box with the heartbeat sound as well, which I got put in it, which I love. And, um, this is not answering your question. This is no, no, it's good. It's uh, You're like me. You, li- you like to give the full story before you get to the point. It's good. I like it. Uh, so basically, you know, went back and forth around the world and it was like, this thing is actually going to cost about a thousand pounds to make. And it's only going to last your baby, you know, during that really fussy stage Six of months. Like, We've got to pay this. Do you know what? I would have paid a thousand pounds just yeah. for one day of, you know, a settled, happy baby. But anyway, that's beside the point. So in the end, basically, we did get it made in China. What I The, the further along my journey I went, the more I learned that no, you can choose to get cheap crap in China or you can find really good factories that are not going to uh, copy your idea or shaft you basically. So that's that's the route I went down. So it's all made under one roof now. I don't know. What is your question of completely? No, my wrong? question was about business going up and down and up and down oh, and whether you find that. So whenever then, so we launched basically in January 2015, as you know, somebody, um, I had a Facebook page with no followers and then I had, you know, maybe 30 or 40 followers on it. And, you know, people said you have to set up Facebook and Instagram and do all these things. I don't even think Instagram existed. No, it didn't. No. No. So we did Facebook and then one parent, you know, I had all this product and nothing to do with it. And I thought, well, it's it's now here, you know. Because you'd ordered a thousand units, hadn't you? 
units and I was so excited. Like, oh my God, we finally, after all these 12 years, I have got a product and I've pressed the button and off we go. Like it's being manufactured. So six weeks to manufacture, six weeks on the sea to get into the country. So it was on its way here and I thought, I'm completely out of money. Whenever this thing hits the country, who's actually going to know about it? What do I do? And it was probably, I think it was you said, set up a Facebook page. And I was like, I don't, I don't even have one of those for myself. How do I do that? I didn't even know how to set up Facebook. So you or somebody did it for me anyway. And yeah. I was like, where's all my followers? But now what? And I'm not, as you know, you put yourself out there and you'll tell a great story. I don't really, you know, I don't have that way with words. So I'll sort of sit there and just hope for the best. So anyway, um, what I thought I would do was... Um, a couple of people, you know, friends of friends and family, you know, bought a couple. So got maybe three or four orders in over the space of the first couple of weeks. And then I started emailing people and saying, look, would you mind um, if you get a nice photo or a video of your baby on the babble kush, would you send it in? Uh, which they did and got a couple of nice photos. And then somebody sent a really fantastic video of their little baby boy, Daniel. And it was just, it was just perfect. It was a 30 second clip and he was a bit eh, windy whining on it. And he was just rocking back and forth in his babble kush. And then suddenly he was like, ah, and he was all happy and settled. So I posted this video. I'll never forget. It was a Tuesday night. He was crying, wasn't he? And then, and then yeah, the mum set the set him on the. No, you're thinking of Riley. That was the second one. Oh so right. This is the first video that went viral whenever the business had just begun. Oh yes, that's right. It wasn't even like it wasn't even like a big like. Oh my God! It was just he was whingy and whiny, and then it started to rock and cry, and then and then he stopped. And he was settled in the video end, so I posted this, and then start Andrew, my husband, came in and he said, "Oh, Ian, his friend said congratulations on your Facebook video," and I went, "Oh shit, what have I done? What Facebook video?" We're like, ah. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. And then he went with the one of the baby and I went, what is it? So I looked and it had had um, thousands of views and quite, you know, a awful lot of likes and different things and comments and things. And I was going, oh my God. And then I started noticing ding, 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 all these orders started coming in. And I thought, wow, and like I finally, you know, it's, it's starting to take off. And so it just, I woke up the next morning, basically, by the time I went to bed, that video had had 10 million views within the space of about four or five hours. So I couldn't really sleep very well that night. I was quite like, oh, you know, my heart was yeah. Like, oh shit, what does this mean? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's like, how do I ship all these orders? So, woke up the next morning and I had, I think my phone said 1570 something emails. And I was like, but there, surely there's a mistake. You know, it was first thing. <laughs> like what's happening is my phone broken and then I started to go into thought, no it's not and people were saying I want to buy that product why is your website I can't get on your website it's just a black screen so I went to look on my own website and it was gone it didn't exist it said error page 404 and I was like oh so I was straight on with the guy who built the website and said my website's gone where is it and he said what's happened and I said I don't know but I've got 150 orders through and I don't know how many I would have got but because the thing is now not people can't actually it's order. crashed yeah it crashed and he said oh your website's crashed and I said what does that mean I didn't know <laughs> websites. What does it mean if it crashes? Can, can we uncrash it? Can we save it? So he said, well, I'll try and get it back online. And he phoned me later and he said, Carrie, I've never seen anything like this. The traffic that was going to that website. He said, we're going to have to build you a whole new website. And it wasn't built for that. You see, and I know that because of our website, we have a launch and we have, whenever we have like a big launch of butt camp or even a launch of like Sculpt and Shred and we open as, you know, we have to increase. We actually have to, for that day, we have a pretty big bandwidth on our website because we get a lot of traffic, but we have to increase it for that day to allow the amount of traffic to come through. And yours was just never built for that. No, it wasn't. So within a couple of weeks, I had a new website, but it was just constantly crashing. And I I had... And this video kept going viral, didn't it? It just kept going 
I just kept listening. I was like, why is this happening? Like what has happened? But then I started getting people saying, babies are going to die on this. You know, there was a lot of um, scandal around it. And I was thinking, this is my worst nightmare. The one thing that I was so careful with was the safety and the safety testing. And I thought this, it's not like you're, you know, making a, yeah, a, a like widget a yeah this is for babies newborn babies premature babies babies with um well as it turns out difficulties and all sorts as I learned down the line that it was going to be used for um so I was so so careful and it was really upsetting to hear people putting it down and saying it was going to harm babies but looking back on that the best thing that ever happened was the scandal. the haters the negative yeah because that sold a great story. So what had happened was people were talking about it so much and it was driving so much traffic to my page that Huffington Post were the first people to pick it up and then they did a story on it. So you imagine the amount of followers that Huffington Post have. So everyone was on there going, what is this thing? And then that was driving them back to my page where they were going, well, that sounds awful, but I think my baby might need it. So everybody (laughs) was ordering it. So the worst thing that I, in my head, that I thought could ever happen to me ended up being my saving grace, you know, without that where would Babu Kish be? And so basically we went viral. I felt like I'd won the lottery, but I couldn't enjoy it. You know, my son said to me, you're making more money than, than Harry Kane, that footballer makes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you were literally not sleeping, not eating. Drowning. You Absolutely were drowning. Yeah, it was yeah. just me. So I basically, I sold out of my first thousand units within the first three or four days. They were gone. And I thought, well, it takes six weeks to manufacture them, six weeks on a ship. And I would love to order more right now, but because this is a brand new product, what if I haven't thought of something? What if something now happens to a baby? And in the meantime, I'm ordering more product, but then a baby dies on it or something terrible happens. Like, And then I've invested all that money, you know, terrible for the baby, but also my life is over. So it was, you're always faced with these really tough decisions. And um, yeah, as much as I felt like my life was complete and everything was wonderful, there's always so many worries. So you have the highs, but then you have the worries when you're on the high and then you have the lows again. So Baba Kush went up and up and up and up. I ordered another 2,000 units. They sold out before they even arrived. Then I ordered 5,000, another 5,000. And I'm not one to brag about this or to, I know you love to announce how much money you make and everything. But I think yeah. I think it gives you credibility, you know, because people, yeah. if you ain't, if you don't have a good product, you ain't making money. That's true. So basically within the first sort of nine or 10 months, I turned over 1.3 million but, mm-hmm. and I couldn't even enjoy Pounds, it. Pounds that is. So that's like, that's a uh, $1.8 million. Right. Okay. Whatever. Um, so Actually was, $2 million, 1.33, two million million. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So it was sort of the best and the most scariest time of my life. And mm-hmm. But then, as you say, at one point, you know, within after about a year, you know, these videos just kept going viral. And then people were sending their screaming babies who were then settling in the babble cushion and that would go viral and people would pick it up. And then we were going to CNBC and Ashton Kutcher were suddenly sharing the videos as well. And they have hundreds, you know, tens of millions of viewers. So it was just, you know, at one point, oh, it was just crazy, absolutely crazy, but really good fun. And all I needed was I employed one girl to do the admin and she just saved my life within a couple of weeks. It just, everything just falls into place. That's how you know you're on the right track. So as hard and difficult as things can be, things do seem to fall into place and work in your favor. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny? Do you ever find that, well, maybe you're not as bad as me, but I am very sensitive. You're much tougher skin than I am. But I always find that if somebody said, that's amazing, you've done so well, praise, you know, well done. I go, oh, that's brilliant. And, you know, you feel a wee bit like, oh, that's so good. It's nice to have your approval. And then somebody will put you down or say, 
what are you doing? This is so unsafe for babies. And that, you know, it mm-hmm. can just throw you completely over the edge. And I've had to learn to be really um, mindful of not letting other people's opinions and what they say and what they think about what I'm doing. You almost just have to block it out. Like imagine there's a screen in front of you where, you, you know, it sort of bounces off it and goes back at them and have to go, no, do you know what? This is my journey. Mm-hmm. And people are very quick to have oh, an offer opinion. their opinion. Oh, yes. And then they go back to their life and they don't really think about it again. Meanwhile, you're left for, you know, a day, a week, a month, you know, dwelling on that opinion when really you have to just go. Oh, no, the thing know. about it is people, people suffer from a lack of empathy. They don't understand. They, they lack, they lack the ability to try someone else on and they lack the ability to, um, to really understand how important it is to walk in someone's shoes before you ever offer an opinion about what they're doing. Because, you know, people were coming on and, you know, or like if someone was to say to you, oh my God, this is horrendous. You, you know, you're a baby killer. <laughs> you got called everything under the sun. <laughs> and no but baby they, has ever died or been injured on it, by the way. Yeah, by the way, no baby has ever died or been injured or had any suffered anything. We have, <laughs> we have some, some, we have seen some very questionable uh, parenting um, fastening skills with the straps and Carrie sees one night, she's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. That, that, that parent hasn't followed the instructions. So, and you will reach out to them personally and be like, let me give you a personal demonstration of how to safely strap your baby to the bubble cush. Um, but they, uh, what was I going to say about opinion? No, God, I've lost my train People of thought now. their opinions and you need to just Oh, yes. So again, and I know I keep bringing this back to bodybuilding, but I do have a lot of bodybuilding or a lot of people who are interested in fitness following this, but which will love this story. But it is one of my most listened to podcasts was uh, one that was called What to Do When Your Family Don't Support You. And oh. I just talked about my journey of starting Sculpted Vegan and doing bodybuilding and how I really, and a lot of it was Ryan, my husband as well. You know, Ryan was very, very, um, very against what, you know, what I was doing um, and didn't want his friends looking at his wife half naked on Instagram, you know, because I had no following, I had no connections, I had no business, I hadn't, wasn't making any money. I was just basically, a you know, a 30 something year old woman in her, you know, showing her vagina. <laughs> Not really, but like, you know what I mean, on, on Instagram. And it, it was horrifying to him. So one of my most popular episodes is what to do when your family won't support you, because a lot of people start in the bodybuilding world. And they start following one of my shred programs. And now suddenly they are, and you actually, you know what? Actually, here, I want your, I want your perspective on this. So here's what happens. They start following one of my shred programs. They start meal prepping. They start, you know, being very rigid with their food and they'll, you know, meal prep for the entire week. So they'll go to family occasions and they'll they'll bring their food with them. You know, they won't not go, but they're on this eight-week plan. There's a twenty thousand dollar prize at the end of it. They want to make sure they're staying on plan. They're saying, I can't meet tonight because I've got cardio to do, or I have to fit in my training before I do this. And I know whenever I started training for my first show, like I would come to mum's on a Sunday, you know, or whatever. And I would bring like my scrambled tofu and my vegetables with me. And mum would be like, are you not just going to eat some of the lovely food that I've made? And I'd be like, mum, I'm really sorry. I don't want to offend you, but I can't, I have to eat on plan because I have this goal that I'm working towards and I've never done it before. And, and I, I don't know what'll happen if I, if I have one day off and I'm not supposed to, hear it. not even that, I don't even want to get there and think, what if I could have done better? I want to do as good as I can to know when I get there that I, you know, that I can't look back and say I could have done better. But from the other side, as my sister, this happens a lot with my with my members, and they they post in the group and they say, "Oh my God, my husband is like, you know, was I'm so down because he was saying to me the other day, what the hell are you doing all this for? And this is ridiculous. And my sister thinks like I'm crazy, or my friends think I'm mad. From the other side, having watched me done it, me do it, me done it, me do it. What is it like? Why? Um, Do you know what I'm saying? Like, give me the uh, other side. Give yeah. me, the, give me the perspective. I'll give you the, the other side. side, but as you know, I'm a deep thinker, and mm-hmm. I, I don't 
sort of I sort of think a lot before I speak and I, I've always analyzed human behavior and why we think that way and why we do what we do and why why do parents always say no you know from whenever my kids were born it was like why does everyone always say no it's like automatic no no you can't no 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 I was always a yes person as you mm-hmm. know so I, I suppose whenever I think back to you and you know I was going to say starving yourself so that's yeah. exactly what springs to mind where you, th- you this is a family member and they're very important and special to you and you think that what you're watching is that person suffering because but if we think about that that's because how I would feel because it's not my joy and my love and my goal so it, to me that would be suffering it's like oh that must be awful you know I feel so sorry for you and I want you to be happy and not put yourself through that so I'm going to sort of punish you a bit and tell you oh you shouldn't be doing this and put you down a bit in order to try and get you to stop stop what you're doing to make oh, me feel better yeah and we can say well, to make you feel better but actually it always comes down to the person no to make you feel better it's like I want so if I'm if, yeah I want my family member to stop so I can stop feeling bad watching you doing what you're doing that's exactly what I said in my podcast since I were sisters and I haven't even watched it but do you know what I, and another thing whenever we were making decisions for our children as they were growing up like the schools and you know oh they should go to this nice school and all this and I thought no they should go wherever actually makes them happy I don't give a shit if the posh parent down the road goes to this school is this right for my child oh no Carrie you know because my mum will say this or certain people might think that and I remember thinking every decision human beings make seems to be based upon what people will think of them so the way I said to Andrew this is how we're going to make all our decisions now we've got kids we're going to imagine that we have no family and no friends we live on a bit of a deserted island and so there's no one to have an opinion or think about it what would we do then you know so Amy wasn't happy in school um she was crying every day going in um people said oh don't worry she's only in the first year of high school by the third year she'll be fine you know she'll get used to years of being miserable before she's fine yeah this is six or seven hours out of my child's day a very big chunk of her day and you want me to allow her to sit there and be miserable every day of the week five days a week until you know for another two years until she's just dumbed down enough to get used to it and go do you know what there's no point anymore I'll just you know put up with it and I said to Andrew I'm not doing it I don't care what happens I said she's not going into school today and it had reached the point where he agreed and we just we just took her out of school and thought we don't actually know what we're going to do next but things always work out whenever you follow your heart I wasn't making that decision to uh, impress another person or for anyone else I was doing it for my daughter and for us as a family and thinking people will judge and people will have an opinion and what will you know parents and aunties and uncles and all say but really they will say what they think and then they'll sort of move on with their lives because they just it's just what we do. Everyone's on this autopilot of this is what we do. This is what ex- society expects of us. And this is how that, you know, what the neighbours will think. You know, it's a shit what the neighbours think. Right. Neighbors see them Just to be able to have a conversation and fit in. It's always about fitting in, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Whereas people are so afraid to be the one that stands out. You And I know that you have always been the black sheep, the one that has stood out. And you probably have cared, but not enough. Yeah, to- it's hard. It's not easy, but you get used to, you realize that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I know. It doesn't matter. You, nothing happens. You feel bad for a minute. You're like, oh my God, these people are, don't like me or are judging me or I did this bad thing or, you know, or Ryan's angry with me or mom is, you know, ashamed of me. And then you realize life goes on. <laughs> yeah, but then if you don't, if you don't override that and do go on your own journey anyway, then your children grow up to think that, oh, this is how we behave. We only do things to please other people. You know, our own happiness and, you know, well-being comes last. We're at the bottom of the list where you need to put yourself first. You're the most mm-hmm. important person in your life. 
even though you mm-hmm. have children and a husband, you know, you actually have to make You can't fill from an empty cup. That's what I always yeah. say. Your cup, you know, if your own cup is full, it can spill over into other people's, your children, your husband, your family. But if your own cup isn't full, it can't spill over, mm-hmm. um, which I love. No, I love your perspective. It's so good. It is really, really helpful because it is something that people struggle with a lot, especially when they start the the bodybuilding show or the bodybuilding programs that we, that we sell. But I think you're right in what you said that whenever we look at people through our own lens. And so I don't see, like whenever I saw you building Babu Kush and not sleeping, do you remember the time you came around to my house and I confiscated your phone? I was like, you're coming for a massage and I'm confiscating your phone. And if there are messages, I will answer them. And if there's phone calls, I will take them. You can know that I will be your personal secretary for 60 minutes while you have a massage. And you were like, (laughs) okay. And you relinquished your phone. This is during the height of it, whenever it all went crazy. And you relinquished your phone for 60 minutes. And I remember answering a call from Facebook in Dublin. I remember being like, Oh, this is Facebook inviting Carrie to come to come to their house or to come to their house to come to their offices in Dublin. Should I disturb her? I was just like, no, I'm sorry, Carrie's in a massage. I will have her call you back. I was like, no, Facebook can wait. So um, it was quite funny. But here, I I do want to talk a little bit um, about what you're doing now. So uh, just for anyone who's listening, um, if you are building a product or if you're creating a product um, or you have an idea for a product and you want to bring it to market or you have brought one or you're kind of halfway in the middle and you're not really sure what to do. Carrie is now offering um, one-to-one, not even small group, which I suggested you should do, but one-to-one consultancy. And the reason why I have um, asked Carrie specifically to provide a a discount for my followers was because a lot of people don't know you were actually working with my company for the last year as a consultant, helping us to what we thought we were going to do was release our own apparel range. So whenever I wanted, and we were also going to start an Amazon business. So I was like, okay, I'm thinking about doing these two things. I want to start a range of apparel and I want to start an Amazon reseller business. And so we employed you as a consultant to come on and and, and do all that, which you did. But then I realized after a year of like, it, like it took us a year to get two samples of the apparel, two samples like from China because of what's <laughs> right. You were warned about that. I was warned. Like, oh, I know. I know you know me. I am patient though. So I was just like, oh, it's whatever. It's like you were actually like, I'm really sorry this is taking so long. I was like, Carrie, I'm honestly not worried about it. It's however long it takes. But in the end, I've decided it's not a route I'm going to go down, not because it's not a viable financial route, but simply because for my business with my business model and how my team's resources are allocated into all our online stuff, it's not a good use of my time. So it was a really inexpensive um uh, I was going to say experiment, I guess, but because of how quickly, so here, let me tell, let me tell people listening what you did. So uh, literally I said to Carrie, I think I want to go into a range of apparel. And Carrie was like, no problem at all. What do you want to do? And I was like, I think I want to have a range of gym wear. And so Carrie was able to say to me, okay, so here's exactly what you need to do. You need to get this and this and this and this. You need to get the exact samples of the things that you want. You need to collate them. And then you give them to me. And I gave them to Carrie and she like I have the photos, we can post them in the show notes of like the photos that Carrie. So she took every single piece of, of every single um, piece of clothing that I gave her and literally stapled post-it notes all over them to this stretch must be this, this fabric must be this, this must have this, this, you know, must have this particular thing here. here. Four yeah. millimeters here, exactly this here. Like Carrie knew before these even went to her distributor or your agent in China to have these, you know, samples made, whatever. 
Carrie, ha- she knew exactly the pitfalls that would have... That alone that, the post-it notes alone probably saved about six months. Yes, the post-it, post-it notes alone saved six months. So it's like people come to me for bodybuilding or for, uh, well, bodybuilding advice, yes, but business advice in the online marketing world. I can say, do this and do this and do this and do this. And they can have their online company up and running in under six months, like up and running and making a profit. Cause I can tell them, don't do that. And don't do that. And don't do that. This is exactly what you need to do. And that's because of the experience I have. And you have that experience in the online world. So the fact that we were, that we had two sets of samples, the final ones, we would have needed a couple of little iterations and they would have been ready to go. And that does not happen that fast for someone who's starting new. So when I said to Carrie, Whenever we decided not to go with it, I said, you should start a consultancy business. She was like, no way. No, no, I'm far too busy and I've got so much going on. And I was like, no, no, you really need to because people keep messaging you and asking for advice. And Carrie will be like, yeah, no problem at all. Let's jump on the phone. And and they're like, you're going to jump on the phone with me? She's like, yeah, no problem at all. I'll help you. And she keeps helping people for free to get their products up and running. But you have so much expertise, but not even expertise. You have so much so many contacts in the industry in terms of warehousing and distribution and product manufacture and China contacts. And even the company we were going to get the apparel made in the end was in London because you have, you know, contacts with, you know, obviously um, Tucker Sullivan from the Dragon's Den and, you know, your network of contacts is insane. Mm -hmm. And you could literally help someone take a product from idea to launch in super fast time, probably not a year because it took you 12, but certainly you can shortcut that time. So tell me a little bit more about what you're going to be doing with the consultancy. And if somebody wanted to book with you, how they would do it. Let's just, let's just do a sales pitch. Yeah, no, well, it's, it's so simple. So I, people had said to me for years, why are you doing this for free? And there's only so much you can do. And then you sort of think, you know, I've I've got a lot of other stuff to do, but I don't want to not help this person because I know what I went through. And I know some of the people I was advised to contact who'd gone through a similar journey and who were really unhelpful. And it was almost as if they were a bit sort of, oh, well, you know, there's not enough room for you in this industry where I I think there's enough abundance for everyone in the world. There is everything we know and don't hold back. And, you know, know if there's some way I can help somebody I want to do that because I know what I went through and I didn't want anyone else to go through that so basically um my calendar is filling up pretty quick I've only just started this a a few days ago so uh, I don't know how people are finding out about it probably through you as well you can uh tell I'm I'm your biggest cheerleader Carrie I know you always have been you're very good that way um yeah so basically if you have an just a thought in your head or it's a scribble on a piece of paper or something that you've you know a physical product that you've been working on but you've hit a roadblock or you just don't know where to go from here or you have an idea you don't even know how to start like what what is the starting point like I was back then phoning inventors clubs where do I go what do I do or even just having somebody to give you their opinion which you don't need to take but just to say okay here's some of the things you haven't thought of and here's what you should think of um, does it work? Is it safe? You know, they're the first to talk to. Mm-hmm. And just to take you through step by step by step. And within, so people can basically book a consultation with me through my online calendar. And then you've got an hour of my time. And that hour is more than enough to tell you exactly what you need to do from start to finish. And that's the thing. I think if somebody had said to me whenever I was going on my Babu Kush journey, you sure you want to do this? Here's what lies ahead. I would have not done it. There's no way I would have said, absolutely, that's not for me, that 12-year journey. But you don't have to do that, you know, if you know the right people. And Whereas uh, if someone had said, here's someone who's done exactly what you want to do, or not even exactly what you want to do, but knows, has all of the contacts in the industry and can literally tell you, you need to think of like a checklist almost, even things like terms and conditions and safety regulations. And, yeah, pat- you, and you actually applied for a patent as well, didn't you? 
oh yeah, yeah, I've gone through all that and the design protection. But then it's the scary thing is what the scariest thing for me was what if somebody copies my idea? I can't right. tell it. You know, but no one's going to because it takes so really bloody long. Your idea. <laughs> I'm finally getting over that that one. Yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> but even just reassurance, I think a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years for free, they just need reassurance. They just need somebody to say it's okay, you're safe, it's all right. And as much as I had met a lot of businessmen and people over the years who were consultants and were going to help me. They only knew so much, you know, they'd never actually lived through the whole process. They'd watched other people do it. They maybe were really good at accounts and, you know, bookkeeping and oh, here's what your finances might look like. That's no use to me. I needed somebody, you know, in a practical way to tell me now you've done this, you need to go to here. But it's like anything in life. I think you sort of you don't need to know everything as long as you feel like you're on the right path. You just go like driving, you know, you just follow the signposts. You know, if I want to drive from Belfast to wherever, you know, County Cork, you just you follow the next signpost and the next and the next and you will get there. And you don't know exactly what lies ahead or where the next signpost is going to lead you to, but it's just, it's just a, a But step. the difference actually, that's a really good a metaphor. I use metaphors a lot in my teaching. That's it. So, you know, Cork is about, it used to be about seven hours drive. It's only about four hours drive now from Belfast. So you, someone could set off to Cork and not have, can you imagine if, if, there, if there weren't, if there were no signposts, right? There was no signposts on the road whatsoever. There's just a road. You could get to Cork, but you would have to keep stopping and asking people, am I going the right way? Am I on this? And they would say, well, go down the road there and take a right at the end of the road. And once you get on the dual carriageway, just keep, and you'd do that. And then you'd be driving thinking, am I going the right way? Am I? In the, and you'd have to stop again and ask someone else. You could, you would eventually get there, but can you imagine having to stop and ask for directions to drive to Cork? It would take you forever to get there. Whereas if you have ways, you just plug in your phone and you put it on your sat nav and away you go and you're there in four hours. That is the difference between someone trying to take a product to market and someone having a mentor to do it. You just, you're told do this and do this and do this and do this. And obviously someone could book like a block of sessions with you as well. I don't even know if you offer blocks to you. Um, like, see, whenever we were doing this guy's listening, right? I said to Carrie, so we, I said, Carrie, you have to do this. I said, oh, look, I, I'll help you set it up. This is what we do. She was like, I don't even know where to start. So this is the difference, right? And I do the online stuff. And I was like, don't worry, my team will do it for you. We'll set up, we'll, we'll get your online calendar and all set up. And she was like, all right, okay, no problem. I'll do it. You know, if you think your, your people would want it. And I was like, they'll absolutely want it. I was like, right. So we'll set your price at about $1,000 an hour. I said, I think that's a good starting point. Carrie was like, $1,000 an hour? Are you fucking crazy? And I was like, Carrie, you built a multi, multi million dollar company. You invented something from scratch that took you 18 years to take it from idea to, to, to fruition as a global company. And I was like, your time is worth, my time is worth $20,000 an hour if somebody wants to buy it. Cause that's, you know, obviously if I invest that amount of time making a, a you know, my products I can make very quickly. I don't have to, you know, do what you do. So, and you were like, no way, no way. And I was like, okay, well, like 500. You were like, no, not 500. And I was like, okay, 300. That's another one still go. It was like a negotiation. Um, so it just, the reason why I'm saying is, is I want people to know how valuable your time is and how much your time is worth and how little you're actually willing to give it for because you're offering, I think until the end of February, my listeners and my followers, um, a 50% discount on, on that. So they can actually get an hour of your time for $150, which is basically a hundred. I think it's, I think it's less than a hundred pounds, um, 70 plus uh, 35, 105 pounds, great British pounds for an hour of your time. It is nothing. And not only do they get access to all your knowledge, they also get access to your Rolodex, as I was calling it, of contacts. You know, you can be like, okay, I'll contact you with this guy and this guy. You need to contact this guy. I'll give you this warehouse. Go with this. Don't go with that. This is better for your product. 
it's like you've no idea the experience that Kerry has just through trial and error. There's no nothing. And I think that's the difference in what you did in what most other people have done. You're not a consultant. You haven't bought something off Alibaba and stuck a label on it. You actually had an idea and you in you you created that product from scratch and then you brought it to market. And that that's a thing that not very many people do. Not very many people take an idea and literally then build and not only build a product and invention, but build an entire company out of it. It's not even something I've done. I'm great at marketing, but I've never built a product. And that's a whole other level of complexity. No, I remember trying to get a safety standard. You know, there's uh, all these things that you don't think about. You just think, oh, I'll go through safety testing or whatever that entails. But then it's, well, we need to get a safety standard that would apply to your product. And I said, all right, well, where do I get that? Can I just look it up online at that point? Because it was a few years later. No, you need to pay for it. And I said, what? So I had to pay for a piece of paper, a standard. Well, which standard is it? And this is before I had the proper safety people, you know, was just being advised. And I said, well, it doesn't exist. The safety standard for the Babakush doesn't exist because the Babakush doesn't exist. It's, it's a new invention. So, well, can I, what do I do? And said, so, well, we'll take, you know, one for a bouncer or a rocker and another one maybe for a cot and sort of similar products. And then we'll try and add something in for yours. So even that, everything was just a roadblock. Difficult. And and I go, because what you created is an entirely new invention. Yeah. And not only is it a new invention, it's a new, it was a new invention that it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, like an iPhone, like a piece of technology, you know, of course you have to think, well, an iPhone, you know, you don't want it to blow up in your hand or something, you know, so obviously there's safety testing and stuff. I'd have to go through every product, but yours was a product for babies. So you, you created a product for the extreme user. And I talk about that a lot in business. I say it was Tim Ferriss. I never forget him saying, you know, you have to create a product for the extreme user because if you create it for the extreme user, it wasn't Tim Ferriss. It was in Blue Ocean Strategy, one of the books, my favorite business books. They say, if you create a product for the extreme user, it means that everyone, it'll be popular for everyone. And they, the example they used was they said, if you're going to create a new toothbrush or design a new toothbrush, design one for a bodybuilder whose bicep is so big, he can't bend his arm. And that if you create that as a new toothbrush, that will be an incredible toothbrush for everybody. That's what they did with the Big Bertha um, golf club as well. They 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 created, there's this driver called the Big Bertha and it has a massive head on it, which basically means you can't miss the ball. They The Big Bertha golf club was uh, created for uh, middle-aged women whose husbands played golf and who, but who didn't play golf. And they knew that this was a segment of the market that they, of golfers, women who had the time, the resources and the interest in playing golf. But the biggest barrier to entry for them playing golf was they, it took them too long to become good at it because hitting the ball, driving the ball was, was the hardest part of the golf. So they developed this golf club with this enormous head so that women couldn't miss the ball. And that golf club is now the most widely used driver by golf pros worldwide. Every major golf pro uses a Big Bertha, but it wasn't designed for golf pros. It was designed for the extreme user, which was a woman who couldn't hit a ball. So you designed a product for the extreme user. You designed a product for a baby with, you know, with really bad colic and reflux, who won't stop crying, who's in extreme pain. And not only does it work for that baby, it works for every baby because... Yeah, yeah. So because it's I for the extreme was, user. Um, I thought it would only sell for babies that were like Harry, because I thought somebody who had a baby like my first, like Amy, would never need anything like this. But then as it turned out, people, I remember you used it on Maya. Mm-hmm. And you said, I think you said, and I said, how's it going? Or I haven't heard anything. And you said, oh, I don't know whether to say this or not. I feel really guilty. And I said, oh God, what is it? Don't worry. I thought you felt guilty because she didn't like it and you didn't want to tell me. But you said, 
she's been on it for four hours and I'm still cleaning the house. I've got so much done. And, you know, she's just so happy. And I know I should really take her off and feed her, but it's like, I could just, you know, I can, now I can clean out my fridge or do the cupboard. Yeah, exactly. Cause she was yeah. so, and even when she woke up, I remember she woke up and she was, uh, you know, whenever babies wake up and they're really yeah. young and they, and they usually start to cry straight away. She woke up and they're always like, don't sleep your babies in their tummy. I'm like, fuck that shit. This is my third baby. I'm, <laughs> I'm still sleeping wherever she can sleep. So, um, I had her on it. I remember, never forget. She woke up and I remember looking and going, oh, she's awake. And she did, she just did this wee, you know, this wee like rolly eyed thing, you know, where she was awake, but she wasn't quite awake. And she woke up and went back to sleep, woke up and went back to sleep. She kept waking up and going back to sleep because she was just like, she was being held and vibrated and heartbeat. I was just, I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And still is. And that's why it's loved. Well, my extreme then, I remember my biggest challenge. There's a, a charity here called Tiny Life. And actually, mm. they support women all over the world, not just here, which I didn't know, but it's a Northern Ireland based company. And they support um, families of premature babies or multiple births and, you know, um, babies that are, yeah, in hospital. Tiny. Mm -hmm. care yes I remember thinking oh my god you know they'll hate it because there's so much stuff about caught death and sudden infant death syndrome and everything and they'll probably look at it and go oh no you couldn't get a baby on that but they were so supportive and they loved it and what we have now discovered well what I discovered a a few months into selling the babble kush I started getting emails from parents saying my baby was in the NICU and was on a ventilator and or it had you know it was being tube fed through its stomach and the babble kush just saved our life I don't know what we would have done without it so it's popular now in the hospitals with tiny babies and then there was somebody whose baby well there's a few people whose babies have had club foot one of them said it was the other one was hip dysplasia and you know so if your baby is in a leg brace both legs are in a brace their legs are sort of being held oh it's hard to lie on their back yeah lie on their back without a pillow under their legs to support them, but they're able to put them on the babble cush. Um, and then babies with, I can't really say this, laryngomalacia or something. So it's basically their voice box um, or their, where, you know, the swallowing, the thing at the mm-hmm. back of your throat flap that closes over whenever you swallow. Esophagus. No, that's your stomach. Oh, I think it's right. glottis or something. Oh, yes. Uh, Epiglottis. Yeah. So breathing difficulties and things like that. So all these things that I'd never heard of. Babies with spina bifida who couldn't, who have back operations on their spine and then they couldn't lie on their back. So we've really helped a lot of those. So I remember thinking, wow, I only made this for Harry because he had silent reflux and it's helped all these other babies. So that's- And mums of twins and triplets. You can feed one, feed one baby, put the baby on the babacush because you can burp because you can change the angle of it. It goes up and down. So you can actually burp your baby on the back, you know, wind them and then feed the next one. And as you were saying, you know, what keeps you going whenever, you know, you're not as motivated or you're feeling like, oh, how do I keep going? It's things like that, you know, and if you're doing the bodybuilding, I suppose <clears throat> it's only you, but then you get the gratification seeing your own results and saying, that's what keeps me going. You know, I looked in the mirror today or I, you know, measured my bicep or whatever. Yes. It is. Or someone says to you, oh my God, you look amazing. Have you been working out? Or you look like you've lost weight. And then suddenly it, it feels worthwhile. And that's, you get those stories about, you know, the spina bifida or the, you know, the babies that, who've had operations operations or premature babies and you realize how many people you're helping yeah that's it yeah and if you're looking after yourself in your industry and you feel good about yourself it does it makes you just a better person all around I think you're a better person then for the other people that are in your life you're just generally happier because you're doing something for you and I was sort of thinking about what you do and your viewers you're all probably very busy lives and don't want to be taken away from their children or spend any more time away from them but yet I find that if I I, I love exercise as well. If I don't do it, I'm just not as happy. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just not, you know, if I have a day or a couple of days where I haven't really done very much um, in the way of exercise, 
I just, I don't know if it's endorphins or what it is. You just don't feel as good about yourself. And then you're just not as good a person to those around you. Whereas if you've done something for you and it might've taken you away from your kids for another half hour, an hour, but almost then the time that you are with them, it's more quality because you feel so fulfilled and, you know, vibrant and a bit full of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, unhappy wife, happy, happy life, Ryan always says, which is so true. Like I, I, I train every morning, as you know, and I come into the office and I'm like, hi girls. And I'm like, and you know, I'm, I feel so much brighter and better after I've trained. I feel, feel so much better about myself. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. Doing, I know you're probably not really interested in what I I'm think. What? About, you're probably not overly interested in what I think about exercise because I don't do your programs or anything because. No, I no, no. But I, you know, I learned a lot from what you do, but um, you know the way some days you wake up and you, you do have energy and you do want to exercise and other days you don't. On the days, I've discovered that on the days that I can't be arsed, if I get on the floor into a plank position and think I'm just going to do some abs, I'll just do abs and then that's all, it always, it just gets you going. So mm-hmm. just, you don't commit, you don't make it too big for yourself. You don't say, I have to do this. It's too much pressure. Just say, you know what, if I don't feel like doing it, I'm not going to, but I'm just going to do a few abs and I'm lying on the floor anyway you always then progress into the rest of your workout. The hardest part about going to the gym is getting there. That's what they always say. Because once you're there, you may as well train or you may as well. And the days when I don't feel like it, I say, no, I'm not going to train that hard today. Like today I was training back and I woke up my trained legs yesterday, my whole body sore and I trained hard on Monday. And I was like, oh, you know, and I was anyway, I was, I was, I'm show jumping tonight and I was riding yesterday and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to train very hard today. I'm just going to go in. I'm just going to do what feels good. And I ended up having one of the best workouts ever because I didn't put any pressure on myself. So you're hundred percent correct. Carrie, we have been talking for an hour and 10 minutes. I've just realized oh, we could keep, we, this could be like Joe Rogan's podcast. We could keep talking for like another two to three hours. We could go into all kinds of subjects, but we're not going to. Um, Carrie, tell my listeners and viewers where they can find you. Where's the best place for them to connect with you? If somebody wants to, wanted to shoot you a message before they booked a consultation, if they were like, oh, hang on, I just want to check that Carrie could help me with this. Where's the best place that they can connect with you and find you and tell us about where they can find Babble Kush? So just send me an email and the email for that. I mean, you'll find me anywhere. If you go on the Babble Kush website and you send an email, I will pick it up because I'm always checking on the emails, but also for the consultancy, it's kerry.nevins at me.com is my email address for that. Um, and also there You're is- You're crazy a- giving out your email address online. Do you know we have quarter of a million downloads a month? it's going to be like whenever the babble goes take off took off again okay carrie nevins goes viral yeah so that's the best way and um but then we'll link in the show notes as well so carrie.nevins um at me.com and uh we'll link in the show notes to that where can they reach you and find you online Okay, so at the moment, because I've only just started this uh, very quickly last week, so if you go onto my babocush.com website and you B-A-B-O-C-U-S-H.com. Yeah, and you scroll down to the very bottom where it's got terms and conditions and policies and things, you'll see a little bit of text that says launch your product. You click on that and it will take you to the page which tells you basically about what you'll get with me if you want to book a consultation. And from there, you just click a button to say schedule an appointment and you can schedule it. You can also, if you do schedule it, you can cancel it, you can postpone it, you can put it off. You don't have to do it. There's no obligation. It's just a, it brings you to the, the calendar and you can have a look or you can just email me. And see. Look at look at you letting people off the hook before they've even. I know I've that. always done that, haven't I? I've always done that. So you can book it, but you can also cancel. It's totally fine. You it can tell Gary's not used to doing this. Shows the sort of person I am, though, doesn't it? Where I hate to commit to things. I'm like, oh, actually, no, I've changed my mind. Whereas whenever you commit to something, you just 
far too. I just commit. I just do it. Yeah. I've, I don't have a big fear of failure. I'm just like, oh, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, we'll lose a bit of money or, you know, lose a bit of time. Sure. Let's, let's, let's give it a go and see. And also you've got your Instagram, which is Babakush on Instagram. So people can uh, go and check out your invention there as well. Yeah. Kerry, uh, this was absolutely awesome. Um, it's been a long time coming. I've been promising to have you on the podcast for ages and I'm glad we finally made it happen. I'm definitely going to have dad on at some point as well. I might even have mom on too. Sure. I mean, it's like a family series. People are interested in all this kind of shit. I've no idea why. Carol would be horrified. What was it she said the other week whenever I said, does anybody want to go? It was Dublin Horse Show. Anybody want to go to Ladies Day for Dublin oh, Horse yeah. Show? And Carol was like, uh, she thought there was a hat judging competition instead of Ladies Day. And she's wrote, wrote in our family group, I'd rather pull out my toenails with, with pliers <laughs> than be part of a, a Ladies Day hat judging competition or something she said i laughed but um but yeah i'm not sure carol would want to come on my podcast but anyway we will we will definitely will have dad on one day and um guys if you enjoyed this episode um i'm gonna say goodbye carrie for in a wee a second i'm actually you know what carrie i'm just normally i do like a an exit thing afterwards i'm just gonna do the exit while you're here so uh if you enjoyed this um episode with carrie make sure you leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast and uh, send me a screenshot of that review and you could be in with the chance of winning oh here carrie actually every mm-hmm. month carrie's like oh fuck what's she gonna say <laughs> you know <laughs> the face there so what i was gonna say was um i'm actually gonna i'm gonna do the intro for this afterwards and i'll mention it then as well at the start but how would you fancy giving away um a free consultation uh as the for the podcast draw this month yeah sure yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was, so normally what we do is we do a podcast draw, which means anyone who leaves a review and then sends me a screen grab of the review on Instagram goes into a draw to win a Sculpted Vegan program. So um, instead of a Sculpted Vegan program, what we're going to give away this month, you can choose a Sculpted Vegan program if you want, if you're like not really launching a product um, or you could gift it to somebody else for Kerry. But also what Kerry's offered to do is to give away um, a free consultation with her. So all you have to do once you've listened to this or watched it is leave me a review, send, screen grab it, send it to me on Instagram you will go into a draw to win a uh, consultation with Carrie or a Sculpted Vegan program. And uh, if you ain't in it, you can't win it. Um, And all I want to say is, Carrie, thank you so much for being here today. Hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love talking about myself. Yeah, I know it's great. Everybody does. Um, although I had to interject a few times, couldn't let you talk about yourself too much without me having a go to. And uh, all I want to say is thank you so much for listening wherever you are. I love doing these podcasts, especially love having guests on um, whenever they're as great as Kerry. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week wherever you are. Thank you again so much for listening. This is Kim Constable, and I will speak to you next week. Bye for now, and bye, Kerry. Bye.